After years on the road, Timmy parked the van and picked up the mic to bring you this podcast that features interviews with people from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me with your host, Joshua Toomey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me. This is episode 103, and on this episode, I speak to controversial and always outspoken vocalist of American Overdose, Cody Perez. It's a long interview. It's a great interview. So let's get the show started. Connect with Talk To Me on Facebook at facebook.com slash talk to me talk. What the fuck is the internet? And Twitter at talk to me talk. All right, guys, no iTunes review this week, so... To remedy that, make sure you head over to your iTunes, leave a nice five-star rating, a nice five-star review, and it will be read on an upcoming episode. But let's jump right into our shout-outs for sharing, and that's shout-outs for sharing on Facebook and Twitter. So if you see this episode pop up in your Facebook timeline, your Twitter feed, hit that share button, hit that retweet button, and you will get a shout-out on a future episode. Not very many shout-outs this week. I get it, you don't like the death metal episodes, but I have a feeling that just judging by the pre- interview buzz that this interview got this might break all-time records so uh, i'm putting it out there to you american overdose fans hit that share button hit that retweet button and let everybody know about the episode and i promise you this may break records on shout outs for sharing so shout outs for sharing the donald tardy of obituary episode are chris sinzak kenneth wall mike grabowski eric moore steve ross vincent wren Joel Baggett and my good friend Steak and Titties down there in Australia. Not a huge list, but uh, American Overdose fans, let's hit the share button. Hit the retweet button on this episode. I was also a guest on two podcasts this week. My good friends over there at Cobras and Fire, I was on their episode of the I Heart Thrash, the 1990 year in thrash or year in review with thrash. So make sure and head over to Cobras and Fire. Check that out. We talk about, you know, we talk about all the great stuff. 1990 was a great year for thrash. You had Testament, Slayer, Megadeth, Sepultura, so much good stuff that year. Uh, Pantera's first album. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Baco and myself. No loose cannon because, like I always say, he's ducking and diving me. So one day, uh, one day, he and I will do a podcast. Maybe I'll have him come on my podcast. You never know. And then also, I went on to uh, discography discussion. Make sure and check those guys out. They're out of St. Louis. We did uh, we did a new metal episode. If you're going to talk to me about music, I guess I'm at some point uh, some sort of a new metal expert <laughs> at this point, and uh, tend to have a lot of the new metal guys on my podcast. So they wanted to talk some music. They wanted to talk some new metal. So it's a, it's like a good long two hour episode. Um, I haven't even actually listened to the whole thing. I listened to a little bit of it. So make sure to check out Discography Discussion and make sure to go over and listen to Cobras and Fire and you get all kinds of uh, get all kinds of to me this week all throughout the podcast airwaves. All right, guys, for the Talk To Me cover of the week this week, I'm going to go something simple. I'm going to go something easy. I'm going to go something basic. If you're going to go with a good cover song, you got to go with Metallica because Metallica always does great covers and it's a classic it's almost uh, at this point a lot of these old metallica covers are just metallica songs at this point so for the talk to me cover of the week brought to you by puck hockey that's p-u-c-k-h-c-k-y.com make sure to head over there shop till you drop use the promo code talk at checkout for 10 percent off your entire order yes that is talk as in talk to me for 10 percent off your entire order so for the talk to me cover of the week this week we're going to do bread fan Yes, Metallica doing bread fans, so let's check it out. This is Dave Lombardo, and you're listening to Talk To Me.
Hey, this is Kyle from Hell Yeah, and I'm with your boy Josh Toomey. We'll talk Toomey. Get it. All right, guys, as you know, I'm a huge Nashville Predators fan, and we truly just lost 5-3 to three to the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins game one of the uh, Stanley Cup final. So not in the uh, most talkative mood, kind of wearing my emotions on my sleeve. So uh, let's go ahead and get into our talk with Cody Perez of American Overdose. This was a fun chat. Very cool guy, and I uh, could have talked, talked all day with him. So uh, let's check out some American Overdose and then we will talk to Cody Perez. So yeah, this is a Letting Go featuring Waylon Rivas, formerly of uh, Mushroom Head, now of A Killer's Confession. This is a cool track. So this is Letting Go by American Overdose. And then we will talk to Cody Perez. Tried to a composition that no one sees Don't you wait on me I stitched the past to make it last Cut across all the seams Confront the reflections, affected affection Masked away by our addiction I'm screaming
All right, guys, that was Letting Go off of The Great American Dream by American Overdose. And we've got Cody Perez on here. Uh, what's going on, man? How you doing? I am doing great, but man, how about you? I'm doing well, doing well. It's actually kind of funny. I was thinking about it. You know, today is Memorial Day when we record this, speaking to a guy in a band called American Overdose. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, kind of crazy. <laughs> that is. It's funny. So, so we're going to start with that, with the Letting Go song. I mean, you know, it features Waylon Revis, of, uh, formerly of Mushroom Head, now of A Killer's Confession. How did that come together for you guys? Uh, the way that came together was we had done a show with, we had done a show, I think, with Mushroom Head out here in Portland. And a buddy of ours that does photography was on a Facebook group with like a bunch of different other photographers around, you know, the world and managers and promoters and all that and uh Waylon's former manager saw the pictures uh, the pictures that he posted of us from the show and she expressed interest towards us she asked uh, the photographer to to hit us up and see if we'd be interested in talking to her and uh we gave her we gave her a call talked to her got along great and um she offered to manage us and get us you know get us connected with some people in the industry and, and what have you. Um, and so we, you know, it was kind of, it wasn't like a formal, like, yeah, this is, but it was one of those things, like if, you know, she did something big for us, she was going to get a certain percentage. Yeah, so we yeah. weren't paying a fee or anything. Um, and then I was looking for someone to help me uh, with uh, vocal lessons. Cause I've taken vocal lessons, plenty of them around here. It's just, one thing after another, it would always fall through. Either the person would move, or they, I'd lose contact with them, and just, or I wasn't learning something from someone. Um, so she offered to have Waylon uh, give me some vocal lessons, and so I, um, we met him at another show uh, that they came through in Portland, and he's like, "Yeah, if you're interested in, in vocal lessons, I'll hook you up." Um, took the vocal lessons from him through Skype. And then he, the, me and him just became friends after that, pretty much. And then he offered to be on one of our tracks, um, and we thought it'd be a great idea to have him um, on on the new album. And uh, that song, he did he did an amazing job on it. Um, we hung out with him, you know. After that, we played the Gathering of the Juggalos in 2015. Mushroom Head was on it, and then all of a sudden, uh, uh, the manager hooked us up with. If we were, she offered us a tour with Mushroom Head if we wanted to go on tour with them, and we were like, hell yeah! Um, and it happened so quick, and that was just—it was amazing, man. We were playing anywhere from 500 people a night to 2,000 people a night, selling out of merch. Um, got to make a lot of good friends out there uh, in the Mushroom Head camp and Unsaid Fate camp and Mortis and um, the guys from from September Morning. Um, just had a blast out there, and that was the same tour that Waylon ended up leaving Mushroom Head on. And Waylon and I stayed in touch. He talked to me right after uh, after he decided to he was parting ways with them, and he um, he said for us to keep doing the tour, you know, not not to drop off because he he left like three days into the tour. Uh, he encouraged us to finish off the tour and just don't get involved in any of the, the stuff that was going on with that with between them. And then as we got ready to release the album. Uh, we offered to get him on the music video. We were going to shoot one. And so we flew him out. He stayed out here. We shot the video out towards uh, where the the Goonies were shot. Oh, wow. The movie. Yeah, yeah. And shot the video out there with our buddy Carl. And, yeah, the rest was history. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And with him, you know, being able to fly him out there, I was actually kind of wondering how that worked out because I'm assuming he's maybe still in the Ohio area and, you know, you're out there in, out there in Oregon. That's a, that's a nice long trek. Oh yeah, it was. It was. It was cool of him to. It was cool of him to uh, be down with that because you know he obviously has his family and he was getting ready to do the killer's confession stuff that he was prepping for, and uh, so he flew out here and he actually he had no intentions and we had no intentions of him actually being there for our CD release because we shot it the night before our CD release party uh, when we released the Great American Dream and he um, we just we had such a blast shooting the video. He's like, you know what? What if I delayed my flight and I came out and sang the song with you guys on stage and was there at your your senior release party? And uh, we we paid for uh, we paid for the flight to get delayed for the next day. He came out and went on stage with us, sang the song. The only time we've ever sung it was with him um, live that night, and 
did a killer job and had a blast. He's out there, you know, meeting the fans and taking pictures of them, signing, signing things, and it was it was fun. It's a lot of fun. I've noticed recently on on your uh, Facebook page and things like that, you're putting out uh, feelers for uh, you know a West Coast tour. You guys are trying to get back out and get get around and stuff. And uh, you know, in my touring days, I knew once we hit the West Coast, it was you know eight hour drives in between cities. It, it, it gets crazy out there because living in the East Coast, living in the Midwest. I mean, you know, you're you're you know, right now I'm sitting in Louisville, Kentucky, like we talked about earlier, and a major city is within, you know, two hours, any direction of me to where, you know, a place like Portland, you've got Seattle, which is Portland's to Seattle's like, what, four hours? Yeah, it's about three and a half hours. Yeah. And, then, you know, Boise, Boise's like another like seven and a half, eight hours. And, you know, the next major city I would consider a major city would be like Sacramento. And that's uh, 14, 15 right. hours away. So yeah, it, you guys are spoiled out there. I'm jealous of you guys. Every time we go on, <laughs> like, anytime that we played out there in the in the Midwest, um, and then on the East Coast on the Mushroom Head tour, I was like, man, these guys have it easy. But then they're, 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 you know, you have your times like when depending on who's how they're booking the tour. There was times on the Mushroom Head tour where we were doing um, 14 hour drives between shows, and we only had a day to get there. So that was that was brutal. Uh, but yeah, you guys for the most part have all the major cities like right really close to each other. Out here, we're kind of screwed with with that sense like we just last weekend we were in uh we went to boise and uh twin falls and it was uh it took us about 10 hours because there was a lot of construction going on and we were on no sleep and then the next show we or the next so from boise to twin falls it was another two and a half hours and uh and then the drive back because we had to be back for work and all that it was just a pain it was like a lot of non-sleeping and being tired and hungry and just ready to be home <laughs> absolutely so how crazy is it that you've uh, kind of caused a stir over the last month uh just you know po- and posting on facebook uh, of all things you know you post like a nice rant on facebook and the next thing you know uh Wookiebus and the wonderful people over there at the prp pick it up and even like uh an alternative press did a thing about it i mean it's just crazy i think it's hilarious dude because it's like it was a it was just a me venting just pissed off about just how things are right now in the industry and I didn't think anything of, you know, what I just was ranting to my friends on Facebook because I know, like, my friends will chime in. I got a lot of friends that, you know, play in local bands and then friends that are always, you know, big big bands that do tour and all that. Um, I was just venting, and then to pick that up, I was like, oh, my God, they must not have <laughs> anything better to talk about. And especially, like, Alternative Press has way bigger things they could be talking about instead of picking off, like, some underground band's vocalist fucking rant about the industry. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was hilarious. My friends thought it was comical. I know it pissed off some people. Um, they, you know, I had a few people tell me like, "That's not cool," and this and that. It's like, dude, I'm voicing my opinion. I hear people bitching about the same stuff all the time that are in the industry. They just don't say it because they're threatened with, "Oh, you're gonna get blacklisted and all this crap." It's like, at the end of the day, we're, we're not getting any, we're not getting any labels that are reaching out to us and saying, you know, we're thinking about you guys or considering you guys or anything like that. So it's not like. They're going to take anything away from us. Everything we've pretty much done, we've been able to do on our own um, for making connections and just networking and, and you know, making making some noise with, with building a fan base, um, you know, by ourselves. We've never had to have a label say, you know, or put us on anything. Um, everything we've done, even, even when we invested in PR in the past when we were putting out the Great American Dream, that was all money that was generated from, uh, our fans buying merch from us playing shows, from us uh, putting money back into the band to make that stuff happen. Um, even to paying Wayland for the vocal lessons, for um, this flight out here. Um, anything that we do, we it's all done from ourselves and our, our fans buying stuff and, and from playing shows. So it's like they can't really take anything away from us that they haven't given when they've never given anything to us. So I'm not too scared about what what they have to say. The one thing I thought was kind of ballsy about the whole thing is not only were you venting, but you also tagged all of these record labels in it. And so, I mean, you know, if 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 they're looking, they're going to find it in the you know in their tag section. So, I mean, have you had you know anyone from uh, from these labels or anyone kind of from the outside coming out and being like, you know, maybe a little bit more interested now that you've uh, kind of called them out like that? 
Not yet um, from that, but we did get a lot of uh, we did get a lot of wanting, people wanting to do interviews, and then people wanting to get us on their on their radio stations, their internet web, web stations, and all that. So um, I guess in that aspect, it, it kind of benefited us. And then I think it shocked a lot of people that it actually made it on Alternative Press, and the PRP picked it up. Um, and if you, I don't know if you saw the comments on on the, the Alternative Press and the PRP, but man, people. People really hated us on there. Like, it, <laughs> given those given those sites, dude. Anytime you put any band on there that's not like super brutal death metal technical stuff, people are usually shitting on all the bands that go on there. So I, I didn't really care. I just stopped reading after, you know, a couple couple twenty thirty comments that were on there. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Uh, my brother Pito was on there, and he's just getting all like fired up. I'm like, dude, as long as they're talking and as long as there's a lot of comments and it's getting shared and there's getting likes, dude, that's all that really matters to me. I don't really care what they're saying because. Uh, at the end of the day, we're the ones that made it on there, and you know those people are just on there pissed off because some of them were musicians. It's like, what? When was the last time your band was picked up on something like that or even publicized like that? You know, it's. I don't really. I don't really have. It's not going to stop us. It's not going to make us or break us. At the end of the day, you know, it. Any any publicity, good or bad, is good for the band. Getting your name out there and people becoming familiar with it. Um, you know, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've, you know, I don't know if, if somewhere over the time you guys added me on Facebook or or what, but I mean, I remember starting to see that stuff. I mean, I've always seen, you know, the American Overdose name in my feed, and so you guys are very active on social media. And then, you know, and then seeing, you know, you post about, you know, oh my God, look what the PRP picked up. You know, it does like elevate that, and in, in, you know, in my mind, it elevates you guys up a little bit. That you know, you're causing a stir, you're causing, you know, breaking some news type stuff, and. You know, for what that's worth, I don't know. I mean, that and you know, fifty cents gets you a cup of coffee or something. But, but you know, it just it, it does show like uh, if if the PRP and in in alternative press are picking up what you guys have to say, then that means that you guys actually have, I guess, have something to say. Yeah, people. I mean, obviously, someone's paying attention if they're if they're posting it. If someone from their their thing is paying uh, paying attention to what we're saying, um, someone's watching us. At the end of the day, like I said, I don't expect a record label to pick us up. Uh, we're we're more wanting to keep everything in the house as long as possible. We've gotten offers in the past from small indie labels and, and that, but it's like if you can't offer us something that we're not already doing for ourselves, even if you're just relieving the stress off of us from having to do it, I'm not interested because then they're just going to take the money from you. They're gonna they're gonna try to change things around that don't need to be changed. Um, and I'm all about change, you know. I'm I'm good for for change and trying things out, but um, you hear horror stories about how these bands get you know taken and then they lose all creative control and they don't get to do what they want for the most part. Um, and and we don't want to do that. Um, if a label could offer us you know touring with uh, other national acts on a regular basis and guarantees and um, you know that kind of stuff and festivals, then I'd be interested in talking to them. Other than that, and I, even then, we can still do that ourselves. We can reach out to people, and and we have uh, it's just some of the some of the offers we have for national national touring were just like outrageous um, for the buy-ons and all that. It's like we know we know what's a rip-off, and we know when it's a good deal. And and for any big band to try to rip off a band that's up and coming and trying to try to get their name out there is not right. Um, so. Yeah, I've heard some of the numbers on buy-ons lately, and it's it's pretty crazy what some of these bands that may or may not have had a hit, you know, 30 years ago, were asking bands to buy on to their oh, tours yeah. for. Dude, when a band that when a band that's in the press, and I'm not going to name names, but when a band that's in the, in the press for a lot of negative things that used to be big, maybe in the early 2000s, and was on a couple festivals here and there, is saying $500 a show with a with a minimum of of. Uh, of 10 shows to do the tour and then all the risks that you have if you get involved in the drama in that it's like no no thanks i don't i wouldn't even take that tour for free to be honest with you um <laughs> it's, it's a liability and it's your it's your reputation your band's reputation and and we we instantly told them no we're not interested see if you if you you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, you know, you did need the label and the label push to kind of get you out there. But I mean, now a band like yourself, 
can take to the internet and build a following. You know, you, uh, you know, I see the numbers. I see what you guys are doing. I think it's kind of cool, you know, that you guys are sticking to your guns and, you know, and, and, and until a label can come in and do something you're not doing for yourself, I think is a is a huge thing for you guys to say and a huge precedent to put out there. And I think a lot of times, uh, you know, labels want what they can't have, and you know, that's just uh, the the na- nature of the beast. So you know, if you turn down a label that gets out there like wow american overdose turned down this label and turned down that label so they must have something going on it's it, you know it's all smoke and mirrors and it's it's a crazy business to even try to get into yeah it's it's kind of like when you think about you know um some of these bands that um that were offered deals that you know it makes you wonder okay so what kind of deal that for example like slipknot get that those guys are just killing it they're still you know fucking even after you know first blowing up in 1999 here in 2017 they're still one of the biggest if not the biggest metal band and there hasn't been a band since them um that has blown up or or been been able to to get any bigger than that makes you wonder what kind of deal they got um but as far as as we go you know at at the end of the day um those labels when they start seeing and they start hearing that there's there's fans and there's hype building behind it then they want to get behind it because they're like oh Got to got to get some money out of them when when you know when it's hot, um, and and given we're not about the money, I would quit my job and I make pretty good money on my in my day job. I would quit my job in a heartbeat if I was able to just pay my bills and be able to just tour the rest of my life and be on on good shows and know know that um, you know we're gonna be constantly touring and be able to pay my bills. Uh, it's it's not about the money at the end of the day. It's it's, but I also don't want to be you know ripped off and be shelved and. And have somebody out there that's that's changing our creative control over over who we are and what we are and what our sound is. Yeah, there's so much stuff that goes into signing with a label. It's it's not only the you know, I, I, I think growing up as a kid, you know, you're 14, 15, you're like, oh well if I sign with, you know, X label, then I'm instantly gonna be a rock star. But then now, you know, you hear all of these stories of bands that are like, well, they signed the deal, but then their album got shelved for three years and then they didn't get this tour and they didn't get that tour. And it's like, there's so much inner workings that just kind of just, it's almost a crapshoot no matter what. We had a band from here in Portland that got signed to Metal Blade and they went on maybe one or two tours, big tours. And then I haven't heard any, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was a band thing or it was a label thing or what, but you know, you think you're on Metal Blade and you're going to, you know, be touring and be on big national tours and festivals and touring in Europe and all that. And um, I haven't heard a thing about them. I think it was, they signed in like 2012 or 2013 and here we are. I still haven't heard a thing from them. They were, I, I don't know what happened. So you hear those horror stories too. And yeah, you're right. It, it, people think so easily like, oh, if we get signed, we'll be fine. It's not about you just getting signed because now you're in a debt and then they collect interest on that debt. And it's, it's like it's like you're never going to get out of debt when you're in that, and, and and we definitely don't want to get ourselves in a situation like that where we're where we're getting ripped off because you know they're getting a certain percentage, and then you know now the labels are because of you know the internet downloading and all that, the labels are collecting on um, on merchandise and collecting on shows, and and I'm sure that they it's always been like that, but I think that they're they're getting more of a percentage now, and what we learned on the Mushroomhead tour. Um, is that now the venues are collecting on the merchandise sales, and some venues actually will will uh, count every single piece of merch that you have, and then they want you know twenty thirty percent of your sales that night. They'll count you in, and then they'll count you out at the end of the night to make sure that um, that they get their cut. Which oh my god, dude, we when we were down in Florida, and I almost caused a huge riot down in um, where were we? We were. We were in not Miami. It was the other one. It might have been Tampa. No, okay. it was Tampa. We were somewhere in Florida, and um, we played. We we got done playing, and the guy came up to us and said, "You know, I get thirty percent of your." And this was the first night of us like finding this out because something the earlier venues were not collecting from us. Um, he said, "I get thirty percent of your sales," and I'm like, "Hell no! We're not getting paid for any of these shows. We invested in this tour." You know, we're we're not giving you a cut of our stuff because we need to be able to get continue on to the tour. And uh, the guy got in my face. I got in his. We're exchanging <laughs> words. The fans around because he did it right in front of all the fans when they're like they're taking pictures of us and buying stuff. And the fans were getting all riled up and pissed off about it when they were hearing about this venue owner that was trying to uh, pull cash from us. And we we flat out told him. We said. You know, you're going to get beat down, dude. If you try to take our money, you're not taking anything from us. We're going to grab our shit, 
and we're gonna get the hell out of here, and you better hope that's that's all that happens, um, because we will get we'll get rowdy here real quick. We grabbed our shit, and some of the fans even helped us grab our shit. Took it down real quick. I guess he called the cops. I don't know what happened, but he called the cops. Luckily, we got out of there real quick, and, and we didn't hear anything more about it later on. Um, but after that, then we were more aware of, hey, this does happen. This does happen. Um, so going forward, you do need to give them a cut of whatever, you know, what percentage they're at, whatever they're asking. And, and we did on the shows that came after that. Luckily, it wasn't too many more because they knew that we were the, kind of the opening band of that tour. Uh, but they were taking cuts from the, all the other bands, including Mushroom Head. Um, so I think that, you know, to me, that's kind of bullshit. It's like you're not paying the band to play here. They're bringing fans. They're buying drinks. You know, they're paying the ticket prices to get in. Like, it it makes no sense that now you're going to try to take money from the band's merchandise that you didn't invest on. Like, that's, that's yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah, this entire industry is just upside down. I mean, you've got that. You've got not only is is the venue going to take a cut of your merch sales, and then you know your record label wants a cut of your merch sales and your and your you know guarantees Man, and things like that. It's it's crazy. It's yeah, everyone wants a piece of the pie, and it's like you know if it wasn't for the band, remember if it wasn't for the band, and the band can't continue to go on, you're out of a job. You're gonna have to find another band that you do that to until you rape them, and then they they might split up or they might not be able to keep going, and then you got to find out it's like. It doesn't make sense to me at all. It makes no sense. And, and the only way I think that that's going to change is with people speaking out and people talking about it and people being open about it and people, you know, being pissed off and not holding back because they're afraid of them burning a bridge or getting blacklisted. So before I, you know, I was getting everything together and I knew that you guys were from Portland and I was like, hey, wait a minute. Some good friends of mine are from Portland, 36 Crazy Fists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, let's let's talk about that. And then... um. I, I Google searched you one last time and that PRP article where you and Kyle were kind of going back and forth uh, popped up. Kyle Baltus kind of popped up. <laughs> so are things squashed there? Are you guys cool or what's going on there? Yeah, things are squashed. I actually ran into him a couple of uh, weeks ago. I saw him at um, uh, the Skin Lab show. Him and 36 Crazy Fist guys showed up and, and we talked about it. He was still kind of, you know, upset that I didn't apologize about it. And I did apologize that night. He was still kind of upset that the whole thing went down. And it's like, dude, I didn't know that people were – I didn't know that some big some, some big thing like the PRP was going to pick that up. I was venting because we have a lot of – being in the same scene, we have a lot of the same friends. And to me, um, at that point, I felt like it was really directed at us, especially since we had just been on there. We had been flooding the internet with – um, you know the the GoFundMe thing, and we were being real successful with it. We we ended up getting like close to four thousand, and we were able to do uh, with that money. We were able to um, to do the gathering, the juggle little run that we did in the Midwest, and then um, able to do the uh, partially pay for the the Mushroom Head tour that we did a few months after that. Um, but you know, we felt like it was directed at us. We wanted to be public about it and say, you know, say our piece like we did. Was it smart to do? Probably not. Unless he, he said our name specifically, I probably shouldn't have said what I said. But, um, you know, my mouth gets me in trouble sometimes. <laughs> yeah, your fingers <laughs> definitely. Your, ty- your typing gets you. The typing does, yeah. Sometimes on these things, too, you know, they pick up something that you say, and then they go and fucking change it around. Um, but we, me and him had already talked because I ran him also at a Hollywood Undead show, and we kind of squashed it there, and then you know when he came, when I saw, I hadn't seen him since then. I saw him again at the Skin Lab show, and just wanted to make sure that everything was fine because I love Thirty Six Crazy Fist. I've been a huge fan, and Kyle and I had been playing in bands around here, uh, um, throughout the the local scene before he went with Thirty Six. And I'm I'm proud of the fact that you know they picked someone up from Portland from the local scene that worked their ass off to be in their band, and and you know now he's able to travel the world and and uh, play these big ass festivals and go on tour with one of my one of my uh, one of my favorite bands. So, yeah, Thirty Six Crazy Fist to me has always been a hugely underrated band. I think they, they may have just kind of came out at the wrong time or whatnot. But man, they're such a great band. Very unique, very unique voice. Brock oh, has a voice like nobody else. So he, you know, he definitely, um, he definitely, you know, you know when you hear him singing that it's him. It's like no one else can do that. No one else does it. So. Yeah, of the other, like the the Portland area, though, I can't think. Are there other bands that have come out of Portland that I'm just not thinking of? Everclear in the, in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I said, <laughs> no, actually, I saw them a couple of times in the 90s, too. But, uh, yeah, that's 
Crazy. And you guys aren't too far from Seattle, so I'm sure that's the spillover of Seattle kind of kind of came down there too. Yeah, I mean, we had a music venue here that they got, they knocked down a couple of years ago where I guess uh, Kurt Cobain uh, met uh, Courtney Love. It was a, a popular venue out here and then, you know, legendary, for known for that. Uh, but Nirvana, I guess, used to play down here. I was really young at that point, so I wasn't going to concerts or anything when Nirvana was hitting big and the, the whole grunge era was happening. But, yeah, obviously they're, they're, they're not too far. So anytime we go to Seattle, you always run into people at these music venues that were somehow related to um, someone in Nirvana or someone <laughs> from SCP or someone from, you know, anywhere in the grunge era you can think of, Alice in Chains and all that. It's, it's, it's kind of weird, like, when you go out there and you're like, yeah, they, they used to play here all the time at this venue, and, you know, and then you think about how big that got. Um, so I would say Everclear was the the, the band here in Portland. Um, Red Fang is actually from out here. Okay. They were Red Fang. Uh, they've been they've been doing some major touring and uh, let's see who else. Yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, Kyle from uh, Kyle from Wednesday Thirteen. I'm buddies with Kyle uh, Castronovo. He's oh, the nice. son of son of drummer from Journey, former drummer of Journey. He is now the drummer for um, Wednesday Thirteen. Um, well, actually, has been for a couple of years now. Um, so he's from out here. That's awesome, man. Yeah, Wednesday Thirteen happens is probably. I think I posted this the other day on Facebook about he's probably my favorite person to listen to on a podcast. And, you know, I, I would have him on every other week just to talk, you know, toys nice. and nonsense. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, they're a great band. They're, great. they're actually in Portland this week, uh, I think Tuesday. So Kyle's a great drummer, too. He's you watch that kid play drums and you're just like, holy fuck. Like, and he can play, he can play guitar, he can sing, he can do it all, man. He's just, gifted i love this uh this list you put out for new metal bands that want to come back because i was obviously in a new metal band in the in the you know late 90s early 2000s and we got back together in 2007 after you know five years apart and you know we pretty much uh you know your list is like one through nine here and i think we messed up on like all of them so I think it's I think it's hilarious that you put it out, and there are a couple of bands that that I see doing a lot of this stuff, and um, you know if anybody wants to go check it out, it's, it's that's another thing on the PRP. But uh, I just want to pull a couple of things out, and just kind of discuss it with you because I think it's hilarious. Um, yeah. You know, remember that it's not 1999 or 2000; the times are different, and don't expect the shows to be packed unless you're on a huge tour or festival. And that one's funny because. You know, be, being in the 90s, I remember touring locally and, you know, being in an unknown band and you would show up and play in front of 15 people that didn't know your band. And so you're trying to win them over. But then yeah. when you're in a band such as Primer 55 and you go to a town that wasn't very well promoted and 10 or 15 people show up, it's very disheartening. But the crazy thing you have to look past is the 10 or 15 people that are there are fans of the band. So it's, it's yeah. such, such a weird dynamic like for people that are like i've been waiting to see this band since 2001 or or you know i grew up listening to these guys in high school and then you show up to to, to nobody in the crowd it's, it was a very uh, disheartening tour it it sucks because here's the thing is that um it kind of ruins that because you know when you're a kid and you go to these shows you're just you're super excited to see this band and they're the larger than life band up on stage with all the lights and all the flashiness and then the crowd around you and you're just like I hope they notice me right here rocking out to them. Like, you know, you know, as a kid, you're just like thinking that. And then when, um, then when you go see them and you see that the energy's not there a lot of the times and, um, they're, cause they're, they feed off the crowd just as much as the crowd feeds off of them. Um, the bands, uh, you, you, you kind of get, you're like, Oh, 15 people came to see us. This is bullshit. You can look at it a couple different ways. Um, you know, as a band that's, that's, got a name behind them if you're playing and you have 15 people there and you were once playing the big arenas and the big shows and all that and then you find out that 15 people are there that's shitty that you know that's that's not gonna that's not gonna motivate you it's gonna make you want to break apart or go start something else or just quit music altogether at the same time like you said that's 15 people that believe in your music still that may be fans since the beginning of time that never got to see you that's your one chance to make an impression on them to keep them diehard fans and go spread the word more about you and and be there and supportive um 
that that happens way too often, man. Like I've seen, I, I go I go support as many shows as I possibly can, whether it be local shows or national shows. But when they come through Portland, it's like I don't I know it's not just a Portland thing because we've played out in in different states where um, we were playing with the national act and they didn't they couldn't draw a crowd or you hear about. You know a band that plays and and you know the name you know it's familiar and, and all that and they've gotten around and they played the festivals but only 100 people showed up and they thought that was a success out there and i'm like mm, i don't know man 100 <laughs> people like when you got a name that you've been on a lot of major festivals i don't know how much of a success that really is um but at least you have 100 people versus you know 10 or nobody <laughs> right well, I mean, wow. even uh, you know, even Jasta talks about Hate Breed only drawing three and four hundred people a night, which I think is insane. That's but, crazy. Uh, I can't believe that dude, that's just how that happens. I don't. Hate Breed's a huge name. Yeah, like, I, I, it's not like they ever went away. <laughs> right. So, and they played all the major festivals. It, it makes you like, what, what the fuck is going on? Like, I don't know if it's if it's um, it makes you wonder if it's like an industry thing or if it's not promotion right thing. Is it? You know what? What exactly is is causing that? Um, what's funny is that we played with Pyro Fifty Five. I have a Pyro Fifty Five story for you, actually. All right, let's bring it up. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if this was before your time with them because you came in two thousand two, right? Yeah. Okay, so it must have been two thousand one. It was on the Fear Factory tour. Okay, yeah, that was a little bit prior to me joining. Yeah. So we, uh, my brother and I, we were like thirteen or fourteen. We went and saw. We went for Fear Factory. We had been familiar with your guys' name, Primer 55, because we had the the loose song where we saw the video on Farm Club back in the day. Nice. And um, we went and we were super excited because we saw Dry Kill Logic and then Primer came out and, you know, Primer killed it. They were fucking awesome because it, it was right when um, the, the new CD came out, the, the new release. And then it was Puya and then Fear Factory. And uh, I remember that that night especially, it was Dry Kill Logic to me and... Uh, Primer 55 that really like stole the show they had the most energy and they were just all in your face and there were the bands that were there like you know interacting with the crowd and and, and trying to meet everyone my brother and I uh, were we just we rode a max train the max train here in Portland um, to to the show so we didn't have anyone there with us an adult or anything and it was my cousin as well and um, our stepbrother and so uh, we waited around forever because we knew that uh, uh, we knew that Bobby and them were going around. We knew Jason was around and whatnot. And uh, we saw Jason walk by with two two really hot like groovy chicks, and he was coming onto the going onto the bus. And he saw us and he waved us down and he said, "Hey, I'll be out in a second to sign your guys' stuff," because he knew we were waiting to to meet him and take pictures and all that. Dude never came out. <laughs> Can you blame him? He's got two hot chicks with him. And um, he never came out. We missed the max train. The the buses weren't driving around anymore to pick people up. So and it was raining because Portland always Portland's always rainy. Um, we had to sleep out in the streets, dude, till the max <laughs> wow. train was up running again at six o'clock in the morning the next morning because we didn't have cell phones back then. Right. And we knew our, we knew our parents were gonna get pissed if they knew they knew that we were. Uh, that we were going to be um, needing a ride and all that shit. And we, we all lied about where we we're going, like where we we're staying and whatnot. Uh, but I told Bobby, like we played with Primer 55 in Bend, Oregon uh, in 2011 or 12. And I was telling Bobby that story and he laughed about it. It's just like, <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's like, it's funny. I would have never thought that I'd be sitting here, you know, hanging out with Bobby from fucking Primer 55 and be able to tell him the story. And then I became friends with Jason on, uh, on Facebook. And then I, I told him that story too, and he apologized. And uh, I told him I didn't care. It was it was funny, but yeah, Primer Fifty Five. We played it with Primer also in 2013. We played a couple of shows out in Michigan, and we played this thing called A Two Fest, where all the bands got ripped off on that one. Nice. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, A Two Fest. John Coons. I don't know if you're familiar with that guy or not, but he uh, he put that on, and they ended up shutting down the. It was Taproot, Primer 55, Mushroom Head. Um, oh, yeah, I remember seeing uh, that bill, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, uh, Head PE and a bunch of bands. And it was just a shit show. We got there and just no one knew what was going on where. And then them shutting it down at 11 before even the headliners really started playing in the middle of the headliners and cut their sets. And yeah. <laughs> was that uh, Fear Factory show, was that anywhere near September 11th? I remember. 
Bobby telling me a story when 9-11 happened. They, I feel like they were out in that part of the country. It was, it might have been July or August. Okay. Uh, it might have been July or August because I do remember um, it was 2001 and um, I wasn't in, we weren't in school. We were, we'd already gotten out of school. We were on, on summer break. Um, I don't think it was close to September 11th because this, I remember September 11th was a Pledge of Allegiance tour. We went and saw Romshine slip out around that time frame. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's, funny do you stay do you still stay in touch with all the primer guys or uh a little bit um you know bobby and i'll text occasionally and then uh jason and i talk on facebook occasionally and then um preston i've kept in touch with a little bit he's he's actually not too far from me he's up in indianapolis doing uh drum lessons and stuff i think he works for like the sam ash up there so keep in touch a little bit and then you know there's been 900 other primer 55 members throughout the years too that uh, you know, reach out occasionally, stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, which is actually funny. I think your your number two on your uh, list was you know try to keep the band as original as possible, and yeah, <laughs> and Primer was the the perfect example of uh, you know not that there was ever truly an original band because they changed lineups between albums one and two, but uh, I think with a band like that, you definitely need Jason and Bobby at least uh, to, yeah. to to put that name out there. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's hard, like, when you go see a band and there's only, like, one original member or none, um, you know, and there's just, like, a remake of it. Um, it kind of kills that whole, like, you know, that those people wrote the music. Those people should be there and and try to keep at least, you know, the singer, a singer is really hard to replace. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a singer. But yeah. No, I mean, that's that's with any band. I mean, you know, like my favorite band, one of my favorite bands of all time is Skid Row. And if Skid Row came through town, I'm probably not going. But if Sebastian Bach comes through town, I probably am going. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's like with most bands, you know, the, the singer is the voice you hear. I mean, you know, Jason had a voice in Primer 55 that was very distinct. And you would you would need uh, you would need him to be in the band. Uh, you know, Bobby's guitar playing, write, writing of songs and Jason's voice together, I think, was a was a good match there yeah after a while i think you kind of have a tribute and there's 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 bands that can get away with it like we just discussed like marilyn manson he's gone through tons of lineup changes and you know that wouldn't change me from wanting to go see manson live it's just manson's the the, the yeah. front man of course i'd like certain like i would love if john five was playing guitar for him again you know i think it'd be cool um and obviously when twiggy left for a bit there you know that was kind of weird because he was kind of a of a key member as well but um, you know, you have you have bands where you you can keep going and and you're fine, and then once you once you you kind of lose that whole like that feeling that you get when you're seeing the band that inspired you and that you saw as growing up and whatnot. Um, we've gone through lineup changes, so I can't bitch too much about that. I mean, that's that's a given. We try to limit it down, uh, but we've mostly just gone through bass player line, uh, changes. We haven't really we changed guitar players um, maybe twice, but. Um, Luckily for us, like the way we work is um, I do the vocals, obviously, and I help write the music, but we've been consistently with our, our guitar player uh, slash keyboard player producer, The Human, who writes a majority, great majority of the music, and it's been him and I since the very beginning. So um, we've been lucky in that aspect. And then my brother, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon away from us. So um, we've kept it, we kept it the same. Brick left our drummer for about six months because he needed a break and then we got someone to replace him for for that time frame and then he came back and so he's an original drum member as well but the bass players we've always had problems like where they just come in they leave for whatever reason or they find out that you know you got to be committed to to make this happen and there's going to be a lot of bad times and good times um but yeah we've tried to keep it keep it keep that rule to ourselves where we're keeping it as as um, original lineup as possible <laughs> I'm gonna read this next one verbatim, and then we'll we'll move on to uh, talking about the the more about the American overdose. But uh, it says, "Do not, I repeat, do not make a return for a couple of months, and then break up again, and then try to make a return again, and then break up, and the end of the cycle repeat." I know a band like this from around my my area that it seems like they always are like blah 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 reunion. And then a month later, it's like, oh, they broke up. And then uh, six months later, oh, it's a reunion show. And you're just like, come on, man. Or, or they'll, they'll do like the classic lineup reunion. And then the next thing you know, half the band quit. And you're just like, oh, man, they just cannot keep it together. 
it's super frustrating at that point. It's like, I don't care anymore. It's not a reunion. It's just you guys being jack offs that can't keep it together. You're your everyday band that has problems. You know, we when you're in a band, you're, you're going to have five, six different personalities. You're going to clash, you have ego and all that crap. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you have to remember that, you know, you're doing this because you love it and you can't make it happen without each other. You got to rely on each other. If you get pissed at each other, give each other space, fucking hang out. You know, sometimes you have to go a day without speaking to that person to get it out of your system. Luckily for us, like we, we will piss each other off because we like to push buttons a lot in my band and we fuck with each other a lot. Like we play pranks and we just, we'll, we'll just haggle somebody hardcore and just pick on them for whatever reason. And then, you know, if that person gets pissed within 10 minutes after that, as long as we just shut up and give, give them their space and just be respectful, um, usually it's, we get over shit pretty quickly. So what's uh what's coming up next for American Overdose? What do you guys have planned for the for this you know the uh, next coming months? So right now we are in the works of putting together a video. Or actually, we have two music videos that we're working on. We're just kind of writing the ideas out and who we're going to be using. Um, so we want to put out a music video in the next month or two, and then put the other one out you know month or two after that. Uh, so we're in the plans of that. We've been writing new music. Um, we had a bunch of leftover stuff from the last album that we didn't use that we just were like, eh, it doesn't fit on this album, or we could do something better with this. Uh, so we've been writing a lot of that. We have a cover that we're going to be doing here, releasing here shortly. We haven't announced what it is yet, but um, soon enough people will see, and they'll be like, what? You picked that song? It's, it's completely out of, out of our genre, but I guess that's the point. Um, and we are working at trying to get a West, little West Coast run uh, that we can do because we are um, – uh, my, my work's actually going through a blackout period. We're going through a system upgrade, and so it's going to require a lot of training and being there at work. So they're blacking out, taking time off from us from, like, September till mid-2018. Oh, wow. So we won't be able to travel for long distances. We'll be able to, you know, obviously we can do still like the Idaho's and the Washington's and Southern Oregon and Northern California, but we're not going to be able to take huge amounts of time off to, to run out and play, play shows and do any touring like that. So we want to get, we want to get uh, that done in August so that we can, uh, we can at least get in some people's faces and keep spreading the word. And then who knows, we might be end up releasing uh, either a five song EP by the end of this year. Uh, you know, we just released the album in September of last year, the new one. But we're, we we want we have been sitting on that material that we had been writing for like four years. So um, we're kind of ready to start putting out even newer stuff. So I guess what what we have going on is pretty much media stuff. Um, you know, we want to get the videos out, and we want to get uh, some new music out, and, and the the cover tune, and then some shows around the area to get regional. That's pretty much what we have going on right now. Cool. And what's the best way to find you guys online? What's the best way to reach out to you guys? Best way to find us online is, I mean, there, there's all of it. We have AmericanOrders.com on Facebook. As you said, we're very on social media. So Facebook.com slash American Overdose. Uh, Twitter at American, A-M-E-R-A-K-I-N underscore O-D. Uh, we're on Instagram at American Overdose, all one word. Um, you can find us on AmericanOverdose.Bandcamp.com. Um, we have uh, ReverbNation.com slash American Overdose. Um, so we're we're all on all social media. We're you know we're media whores, and that's that's <laughs> kind of the approach that we've taken on since we we can't obviously tour all the time. We have full time jobs, so we invest a lot of our time pushing on social media and um, marketing that way and, and getting our name out. Well, I, well, I will say that when you announced that you were even uh, getting this interview, which by the way, that you know, the very kind words, and thank you so much for those words. But you know, you you posted it all across all of your social media, tagged me and everything. I had, you know, tons of new likes on my Facebook page. I had tons of, uh, you know, I kept seeing the the you know the notifications of comments from uh, from your fans, you know, congratulating you, which you know, which is crazy to me. But you know, it, it was awesome to see that you know you had your fans reached out like that quickly to to congratulate you guys for for you know getting an interview on my show. Hell yeah, man. We appreciate it. Like when I, when Ron, Ronald told us about us getting on this, I was like, Oh shit. Cause I recently had been, I had seen you did the, the Phil Anselmo one, I believe, or the Dez, maybe it was the Dez. I heard both of them. Yeah. I like to listen to these podcasts and whatnot. And then I saw, I started checking more into like your, your show. I'm like, man, I get all the fucking good, good bands <laughs> on there. And just get all the interviews. And then 
um, he told us that he's like, well, if you want, I can reach out to him and see. And so he he reached out to you, and then when he told me that you did, I'm like, damn, that's fucking awesome. So thank you very much, man. It's it's an honor to be able to be interviewed on your show when I know that you normally do um, a lot of big big names. So I like to do a mix, but the the funny thing is, and I would have said yes no matter what if he would have reached out because obviously I I've kept up with you guys and and I, and I know of the band things like that. But I think he emailed me Monday night, last Monday night, right after my Nashville Predators won the Western Western Conference Finals, and like I was in like just the the best mood ever, and <laughs> and, and he like and like it seemed like he emailed me like right when they won. I'm like on cloud nine. I'm like running around the house being crazy. <laughs> I get an email. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna interview them. You know, <laughs> you know, like like he picked probably the perfect time to to to, so to awesome. reach out, which I think is hilarious. That is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, let's go ahead and finish out with this song off of uh, The Great American Dream. We've, we started out with Letting Go, so you pick a song and uh, maybe tell a little story behind it. Um, let's do well, let's do The Great American Dream. Okay. Uh, that song was, uh, we were inspired by like everything that's been going on around the country. You know, you, it's funny to see um, how excited people from outside of this country are to come visit here and then they realize that you know a lot of the stuff that people preach and whatnot is just propaganda um from within the country uh we wrote the song in 2013 2014 maybe like that uh aru luster formerly of machine head now of el nino or has been of el nino um helped with the chorus he um he produced the vocals for the choruses on half of this album so this was one of the songs he picked, um, and before uh, before Aru put his touch to it, the chorus was all right. It wasn't anything like magical. And then once he once I flew down there and we worked together, um, within minutes of him just coming up with the melody and had me sing it that way, the way that it came out in the album just was like whoa! Like it just gave a whole new life to this song. Um, and for, for me, it's personally one of my favorite songs. It's a song that we open up the shows with. Um, and maybe we'll make a video for it someday. I don't think it's the next video that we're going to be doing, but I would say The Great American Dream would be a good song to put on next. Thanks, Cody, for taking the time today. And uh, like you said, this is The Great American Dream off of The Great American Dream. Have a good day, man. You too. Thanks, brother.
right, guys, that was my chat with Cody Perez of American Overdose. Make sure and go and check them out. So if they come to your town, make sure and download some music legally or uh, hit them up on Spotify and uh, Apple Music, however you get your music legally. And uh, my boy Scribble out there, out there in California, his uh, new album comes out June 1st, and I may or may not be making an appearance on it. So it'll be fun, and uh, we'll definitely be checking that out. So I will play you out this week with, uh, with Scribble doing the Talk To Me rap, and uh, I will see you guys guys next Tuesday. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Do not attempt to approach. Talk to me, motherfucker. You gon' just sit up close. Raised by the devil. Marked by the gods to be the king of this podcast. Shit when it drops. Fucking around with Josh. Get your face all split up. Get stuck in the zone when you lit up. You better shut your bitch up and pick up. When you pause that. Dopest weekly podcast. Rock stars, the ball rap, and everything in between. You tune into that gloriest, fattest shit on the planet. A good time from this jack of all trades. We demand it every single week to hear this motherfucker speak candid. Hey, breathe the twisted. If you missed it, bitch, you slipping. I think they might need vanish. He probably jumped the shark. Cause Tony's about to blow and leave a legendary mark. So welcome to the carnival. The shit's about to spark. If you ain't with it, then I'm freaking gon' rip your ass apart. Talk to me. 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 Talk to me.